0: What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast, episode 108, and the last episode of the regular season for the Washington Commanders. Yes, the Washington Commanders season did come to an end with a 38-10 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. But before we get too deep into this episode, guys, if you're checking this out on YouTube, be sure to comment, be sure to like, be sure to subscribe. Because yes, this is the end of the season for the Washington Commanders. But I wish I could say that this was the season finale for Bleed and b But as I say, in all of my episodes lately, the off season is where we shine, guys. So guess what? The content is just going to get revved up even more. We're going to have a lot of time. We don't have to go through a whole bunch of BS press conferences. We don't have to have a, little, a lot of game previews, a lot of game reviews. It's straight NFL drive content, NFL offseason content, and you know that's the most wonderful time of the year for a Washington Commander fan since what the nineteen nineties, since I've been a fan for, for for God knows long. But we're gonna title this episode "Fair Winds and Following Seas." Fair winds and following seas, as an ode to my man Paddleboat Ron. You know we deemed that we coined that term in 2021 for Ron Rivera uh, because we saw the bullshit early. So if you heard anybody call Ron Rivera paddleboat Ron, they got that from us because we've been saying it for going on three years now. Um, Because like I said, we saw the bullshit early. um, And today just encapsulate and magnifies the end of the Ron Rivera era. So this episode isn't going to be too long, guys, because of course we were boots on the ground at FedEx Field. But as I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I don't remember a more boring month and a half in my Washington Commander Redskin fandom. Whatever you want to call this, I don't remember a more boring month and a half of football than I just witnessed in the last six weeks while um, experiencing um, as a Commander fan. Like, this is probably one of the worst seasons that I've ever experienced. It's no probably. This is top two or three worst seasons that I've ever experienced in my life. And the sad thing about it is those other seasons happened when I was a child. My dumb ass got season tickets now. I'm a fucking season ticket holder going through this fucking bullshit. And guess what? I renewed for next year. But, and I say that to say today was a dud of a game. So I know you come to Bleeding B&G looking for the most raw, uncut, and unfiltered analysis, but there ain't much to talk about, and it ain't been much to talk about over the last six weeks. Shit, we ain't won the game in, what, eight weeks, since the New England Patriots. So, of course, we're going to start with our quarterback, but our quarterback not for very long, y'all's quarterback, Sam Howell. Sam Howell was 19 for 27, 158 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. And Sam Howell probably played his last game as a Washington Commander starter with the intentions of him being a Washington Commander starter. Now, I think that Sam Howell's going to be on the roster next year as a backup, or we might use him as trade bait, even though I don't think anybody's going to give up much for Sam Howell um, at this point with the last six weeks that he exhibited as a starting quarterback in the NFL. But, you know, Sam Howell is who he is, and he is who he thought he was. And Sam Howell... Show why he was a fifth round draft pick, guys. Sam Howell's been broken for the last six weeks, and to look at some of his season numbers, I think that he's fall. He fell fifty six yards short of five, uh, four thousand yards. Excuse me. Let me let me bring it back. Excuse me. He fell fifty six yards short of four thousand yards on the season with a twenty two touchdown to twenty two interception ratio. So he was one to one with his passing stats, and he had about five rushing touchdowns. So I mean, the production was mid. Um, it wasn't bad and uh, people look at the midterm as such a negative term and deem it with such a negative connotation. But mid is short for medium. And, you know, Sam Howell is a guy that he had a lot of flashes, especially early in the season. But if just reading off those stats, Sam Howell is a guy that was leading the league in passing yards through late November. And this is a guy that fell short of 4,000 yards, something that most starting NFL quarterbacks are doing In the NFL, Um, and I know this was a bad uh, down year for passing, but shit, Sam Howell was still in the top five in passing attempts because he was just throwing the ball that much early in the year, with getting benched in a couple of games. So that should tell you everything that you needed to know about Sam Howell. Sam Howell does have a future in the NFL. Um, Is that a future as a backup? I think so. Um, Is that a future as a backup as a Washington Commander? I'm not sure yet, but he definitely does have a future in the NFL. He has the arm talent. But some of the things that we've been harping on since the beginning of the season, like that internal clock, that processing. You know, he kind of dwindled down on the sacks, even though that kind of reared his ugly head today, taking three sacks against the Dallas Cowboys. But once he, once he reared down on the sacks, the interceptions ticked up. So it's like you, you can't really get a full analysis of Sam Howe. And guess what? The NFL is a microwave society, guys. So it's not like the early 2000s or the late 90s where these guys were having opportunities to develop in a system and to develop, to develop and get reps in the NFL. Guess what? We on to the next best thing. And guess what? I've fallen victim to that microwave society because I'm on to the next best quarterback uh, because I've, I've, I've come to my, you know, justificational, my results or my... Whatever I think that Sam Miles is going to be, that's what he is. Um, he's an ultimately backup quarterback. He might be a spot starter um, for a couple of fringe you know, teams that's looking to you know, ignite something. Um, because he has a lot better arm talent. And I do think that he might be one of the top 32 uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. But guess what? When you have the number two pick. So yes, this season was a dud. The last six weeks have definitely been a dud. The last month and a half has definitely been a dud. But it's not all bad in Ashburnland and Washington Commander community because we do end up with the number two pick as a result of the schedule falling out with today. Thank you to the New York Saints. Derek Carr, you are my hero. Shout out to you, my boy. Shout out to Chris Olave. You should be a Washington Commander, but the next best thing yet is you coming up with a couple clutch, clutches, couple clutch catches. To secure us with the number two pick, I think that was the game that had the most impact on the strength of schedule with the tiebreaker with us and the New England Patriots being that we did beat them earlier in the season. But as a result of, you know, now, give you a timestamp as we do for every episode, it's about 11.30 p.m. on January the 7th, Sunday, January the 7th. and We're about, what, four hours removed from the Washington Commanders getting their ass whooped, as we mentioned, 38-10 to to the Dallas Cowboys. But going back to what I was um, mentioning before, is that we have the number two pick, so it's not all bad in Ashburn land, um, and I'm going to touch on that later, um, but let's get to the matter at hand, which is the game. As, as I told you guys, though, it's not much to talk about. Brian Robinson had nine carries for 25 yards and a fumble. Brian Robinson was down for the tank. Shout out to you, my boy. Terry McLaurin had, what, six catches for 56 yards, a clip in the 1,000-yard mark uh, for the season on literally the last play of the game. The last normal play from scrimmage is when Terry McLaurin broke the 1,000-yard mark. They were out there desperately trying to get it for him. And I understand it. Terry McLaurin is such a nice guy, ultimate pro. And that's something, you know, the first Washington receiver ever or the first Washington player ever to have <coughs> 1,000 yards in four straight seasons. So that's a, a big accomplishment, especially with the likes of, you know, Santana Moss, Art Monk being in, um, you know, this franchise's history and things like that. But I can't help but shake my head. When we out here down by 28 points and we got my man Terry McLaurin out here slutting out for snaps. Slutting out for yards. Terry McClellan should have had 1,000 yards a month ago. He should have had 1,000 yards six weeks ago with competent quarterback play. And unfortunately, we just didn't get that since, what, the middle of November. And, you know, it wasn't like Terry McClellan was setting the world on fire at the beginning of the season and I was on here telling you guys as well that Terry McLaurin wasn't creating the necessary separation and things like that. But, as I've also said on this channel as well, that Terry McLaurin is one of the best contested catchers in football. Give him the opportunity. And when you saw a guy like Jacoby Brissett come in and just simply give Terry McLaurin the opportunity, he made plays. Because, honestly, I don't think without that 141-yard performance in the L.A. Rams game, I don't think that Terry McLaurin gets these uh, gets to 1,000 yards. Because, like I said, he was out here slutting out for yards for the last... last couple plays of the season to get that. I think he finished with 1,002 yards on the season. He finished with the Mike Evans special. Uh, But, you know, shout out to Terry McClure. Uh, Undisputed. Best player on the team at this point. Uh, And that's not saying much uh, because it's not like he's a top 10 to 15 receiver. But he's my favorite player on the roster. You know? Um, And I'm glad that, you know, he got that um, 1,000 yards for the fourth straight season. I remember when he first broke that 1,000-yard mark in the 2020 season. That was one of my first posts on over there on Bleeder B&G's Instagram page. So go ahead and follow us over there uh, for some amazing content as well. And I mentioned um, once, you know, after the game, at the end of the game, when they gave the Terry McCormick 1K graphic, I said that we need to go ahead and make a 500-yard graphic for Jahan Dotson. Because I think he finished the season with 501 yards. I think he had another one-catch performance today. And as I mentioned with Chris Olave, I need somebody to pull up the graphic with, what, Cole Turner, Jahad Dotson, um, and Sam Howell on one side, and Chris Olave. And ask who would you rather have on January 7th, 2024? I think the answer is pretty obvious. No matter if you want to blame the scheme, no matter if you want to blame whatever you want to blame, if you're taking that package of a backup quarterback, a, a guy with 501 yards and a guy that's a healthy scratch every other fucking week over Chris Olave, I don't know what to fucking tell you. I don't know what to fucking tell you. You're delusional at this point. You're delusional at this point. Uh, but going back, Antonio Gibson didn't really do much today. He had a couple of catches um, it was presumed to be probably his last game as a commander. I know I came on here a couple weeks ago think it was after the seattle seahawks game and said that i wouldn't mind resigning antonio gibson back but i don't think that he has a future here as a commander but let me know what you guys think in the comments uh about you know the prospects of antonio gibson's prospects um and his future in the nfl not only as a washington commander but where you think some good fits for antonio gibson might be uh, because i don't think that he has a future here in washington and it's unfortunate um because just some one of the one of the biggest mistakes that i think that Ron Rivera made out of the many mistakes that he made in his tenure as the Washington uh, commander football team head coach is that he pigeonholed Antonio Gibson into being a standard NFL running back. And that's something that he didn't do at the University of Memphis. I don't think he did it in high school. I don't think he did it when he was in Juco wherever he went. And then you, you fucking drafted him to be fucking Sean Alexander. That shit just didn't match up. And you wonder why you never got the explosion that he exhibited at the University of Memphis. And yes, Antonio Gibson isn't of no fault. He has a lot of accountability to take in this with his fumbling issues and things like that. But you pigeonholed him into a fucking early 2000s running back when he was one of the most versatile players in the draft coming out of that 2020 draft. He wasn't a running back coming out of the draft. He was a fucking wide receiver. Now, I'm not saying that you should have just straight-pigeoned him into that strict, strictly wide receiver role, but that's why you needed to be innovative. That's why you needed to not be stuck in the mud with your philosophies and things like that and utilize one of the more versatile players in the entire NFL. Now, I know he has a couple turf toe injuries. He's gained a couple of pounds since the 2020 draft and things like that, but I think that Antonio Gibson in space is still an amazing player. But we had him on the roster for four years. And I think outside of his rookie year, we really never figured out how to use him in space, which is unfortunate. Going to the offensive line. I mean, what you want me to say? They dog shit. I say that every week, though. I need a whole overhaul of the entire offensive line outside of Sam Cosby. Sam Cosby is a goddamn dog. Like I told y'all, we were boots on the ground at FedEx Field today, and I saw Sam Cosby dump Malik Hooker on a screen pass. I saw him dump Micah Parsons on multiple occasions, getting Michael Parsons fucking rattled. Scratch that. I said that Terry McLaurin is the best player on the team. Sam Cosby might be the best player on the team at this very moment on June 7th, of 2024. And I think that Sam Cosby might be in for an all-pro season next year. Let me know what you think about Sam Cosby prospects. All the, all the analytics, all the superior metrics that look at all the advanced analytics, they've been saying that Sam Cosby has balled out. I don't know when the... I don't know what made the light bulb click. I do know when. It was early November where I started to really notice, like, Sam Sam Cosby is fucking moving these motherfuckers. He's moving these motherfuckers in the run game for the few times that we do run the ball, and he's stonewalling these dudes in the pass game. And it only took us three years to realize that Sam Cosby had the potential to be an all-pro guard. Something that they told you a lot of draft pundits, and a lot myself included, and I'm not no damn draft pundit. I'm just a damn YouTuber that know what the fuck I'm talking about. We told you in 2021 that Sam Cosby might be best suited at a guard. But you had to see guys, you had to see guys run the loop around his short T-Rex arm ass for you to move move him there. Move him to the to the position that he's excelling at and being a potential all-pro at. One thing I will give Jay and this is not a Jay Gruden versus Ron Rivera episode by any means. I don't even want to get into that. Jay Gruden, J- Jay Gruden was better. But one thing Jay Gruden did, he he realized that Brandon Scherf wasn't a fucking tablo. Day one of training camp, and by day two of training camp, his ass was at right guard. He wasn't so stuck in his ways like having fucking Emmanuel Forbes out there getting cooked by every fucking wide receiver in the fucking book. He wasn't so stuck in his ways to admit when he made a mistake starting Carson Wentz against the Browns last year. Like I said, and this ultimately sums up and encapsulates the Ron Rivera era, he just never really seemed to get it right. And I know he dealt with a lot. Coming in under Dan Dan Snyder, going under the name change, going under all those sexual assault lawsuits, Going under all of football, going through COVID and things like that. But there's some things that Ron Rivera could have controlled that he didn't. That was Ron Rivera's trainer that got raided by the DEA. That was Ron Rivera that thought that Ryan Fitzpatrick was the answer going into the 2021 season, coming off of a division championship. That was Ron Rivera that started Carson Wentz against the Brown. That was Ron Rivera that told you that he looked at the fucking papers. Like a straight OG. He said that he looked at the fucking papers. This one I knew that shit was going downhill. He said that he looked at the fucking papers and told you that Carson Wentz was the guy. He looked at the papers in Indy. Like that was the most advanced tech, technological shit that he ever did in his life. He was the fucking guy. He told you that. And then he going to sit here all week and tell you that he didn't have a quarterback. That's on you, bro. And I'm not saying that it was easy. I'm not saying that it was easy. But when you draft guys like Chase Young, who in, high, in hindsight, you know, Chase Young was the prized prospect coming out of the 2020 draft. But you thought that Dwayne Haskell was the answer, or Dan Snyder told you that Dwayne Haskell was the hands, answer. So this isn't really necessarily a Chase Young issue. But if you didn't think you had a quarterback on the roster, which you didn't, Sorry, Dwayne. Rest in peace. At the time, you didn't. You should have went in all in on Tua Tungavaloa or Justin Herbert, because they're looking on their way they looking like they're on their way to have been having hell of a careers, sitting here in 2024, four years later. And you right back where you were going into the 2020 all season with the number two pick. Please don't make the same mistake. Please, please don't make the same mistake. I think that's it for the offense. Like I said, Jahan Dotson had another one catch special. Curtis Samuel had a couple of catches today. Uh, Curtis Samuel's is going to be a free agent in the offseason. What do you think about Curtis Samuel? I don't think that he's coming back despite his close relationship with Terry McLaurin. I think that he's going to go to a contender, somebody that's going to utilize his skill set. I think that Curtis Samuel in space is a, is a tremendous is a tremendous player as well. But guess what? Y'all Lord and Savior, that y'all told me he was the guy, Eric B. didn't seem to be able to get Antonio Gibson and Curtis Samuel in space. Definitely would love to see Curtis Samuel in a Kansas City offense, in a Miami offense, because I, I, I think he still has some juice juice left. You saw a, a juke move that he put on. I don't know who the, the Cowboys defender was that they getting a the first down, but... I was like, oh yeah, Curtis. Curtis still got it. Curtis still got it. Um, As far as the tight ends, uh, Logan Thomas, get the fuck off my roster. Logan Thomas is cooked. Like I told y'all last week, I saw him chugging against chugging, just straight chugging with his big slow ass against Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw all week, all game. I saw him do absolutely not shit today. Cole Turner healthy scratches. John Bates is a good blocking tight end, but I mean, those are damn near prehistoric in the 2024 NFL, so the cover's pretty bare there, and then going on to this defense, I think that John Allen might have potentially played his last game as a Washington commander, Uh, did he play today? Because if he did, I mean, he didn't make any impact plays. I'm sorry, I didn't check the inactives because, like I told you, we was boots on the ground. We was a little tipsy. We was a little tipsy in the red zone lot today. Boots on the ground at FedEx Field. Uh, Because I just just knew that this team was going to put me through my misery for one last time. For one last time. Hopefully, Cody Barton has played his last game as a Washington commander. Same for David Mayo because they're fucking ass, like we tell you week after week. Um... And I don't think that this is the case, but maybe Emmanuel Forbes needed to play his last game as a Washington commander as well. Um, And that's sad to say for your rookie first-round pick because Emmanuel Forbes is fucking dog-cheek. I made a tweet that popped off on X today. I said, how you get drafted for your ball skills and you don't have any ball skills? If you look at that first touchdown given up against Jalen Tolbert, I know a lot of you guys were like, "Oh man, Dak just put it in a place where he couldn't. He just he just couldn't make it." Do y'all realize that y'all been making excuses for Emmanuel Forbes all season? Like bruh, Brian, bruh's played a, a, a NFL season to this point. That mean he gotta get cooked by every fucking body just because he's a rookie. This is our first round draft pick. Why am I wrong for holding him up to first round draft pick standards? The same I do with Mr. 500-yard Jahan Dotson. We got to stop the complacency in 2024, guys. We got to stop the complacency with the new era, with the new regime coming in. Because guess what? If Josh Harris showed me that he complacent, I'm going to become a Baltimore Raven fan, bro. And I thought I'd never come to this day. We're going to go ahead and paint these old walls purple and black. We're going to change the channel and shit. It's going to get real lit up in this bitch. But we're going to take our time. We're going to give them a chance. But we got to attack success with this new regime. I'm done being that complacent fan talking about wait it out. Some of my old head fans, y'all saw the glory days. I didn't. Y'all got to understand where I'm coming from. Y'all got to understand where I'm coming from. My best days as a fan come from one season. That was the 2012 season. The 2005 season was pretty lit as well. I'm sorry. 2005. But I was like nine. I was fucking nine. I got to go back years and years to talk about the last time we had success. To talk about the last time I saw FedEx Field halfway packed with our fans. I was at FedEx Field today and that shit looked like we was at AT AT&T Stadium. Hella Dallas Cowboy fans talking about bruh. you the bro from the from the IG reel. That's you. That's you from the yeah. They was eating turkey wings on our shit. You know why so many fans came up to me today? Cause there was so many fucking Dallas Cowboy fans there. It was eighty to twenty today. Easy, easy, easy. But I loved it, cause the Dallas Cowboy fans made me viral last time we played them. Oh, that's my new. That's my new demographic. That's my new demo. That's my new demo. 7,000 likes on the reel. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram if you don't know what I'm talking about. When they was eating the turkey legs in the middle of our game. But that just shows you where we've come in the hierarchy or in the tears of the NFL. We at the basement. We at the basement. But it's a new day. Because I promise you, I'm about to go ahead and lay my head down on this pillow as soon as I finish editing this video. And by the time I wake up, I better get that notification. I got all the noties on. I got Adam Shepter's notie on. I got Ian Rappaport's notie on. Tom Pelissaro. I got all the noties on. Because I promise you, I wake up at 6.30 every morning. If I don't get a fucking Ronald Eugene Rivera notification, By the time I wake up, I'm raising hell. I'm going to Ashburn, my damn self, and packing a U-Haul, my damn self. I'll ride Ron out on the golf court, my damn self. But thankfully, all the reports are saying that. His ass is going to be gone. But I need that shit before the crack of dawn. I need a smile on my face when I go into work tomorrow. Fuck it with this team on the last two months. One bright side, one one bright note from the game today. Quan Martin fucking balled today. Like I told you guys last week. And Quan Martin, it seemed to... To find his, his foot and in the NFL. He seemed to adapt to the speed of the NFL. Like I told you guys in the preseason, I just think that the NFL game was just moving a little too fast with Kwan Martin. Yeah, he timed well with a 4-4-40 uh, in the, and to the combine. But as I told you guys before, that 4-4 kind of surprised me a little bit. When I watched him on tape, he just seemed like a 4-5 guy to me. But he seemed to adapt to the speed of the NFL. He's been making plays. Had an interception today. A couple of big hits. A couple of clutch tackles before he had to ultimately come out of the game due to an ankle injury, I believe. But he was flying all around. And he was clearly a better pick than our first-round draft pick. But that was something to see. And it'll be interesting to see what the Washington Commanders do with Cam Curl with the late-season emergence from Quan Martin. Do they let him walk? Quan Martin has more turnovers or more interceptions in the last, what, nine games than Cam Curl has had in the last three seasons. Cam Curl's a good player. I'm not here to knock Cam Curl, but when you're not first in turnovers, like I told y'all all all the time, Cam Curl stands out because he's a great tackler on a defense that can't tackle. That's like being the tallest midget. So is that worth $15 million, especially when you have this late-season surge by your ultimate replacement? I think that Jartavius Martin was in the position that Fedarian Mathis was in last year. And Cam Crow was in a position that De'Ron Payne was in last year. And if you compare the seasons, De'Ron Payne had a much stronger season last year than Cam Crow did this season. But where they tend to deviate, or where the comparisons tend to deviate, is that Jotavius Martin is starting to ball out. Fadarius Mathis trash ass, they did shit in two seasons. But it's a new day. It's a new day in Ashburn. It's a new day in Washington. I seen dudes out there today playing making plays that i know gonna be working with me next year i don't know who the who the fuck was number 48 playing safety today i think number zero i think he played with us in the preseason he was slow as shit running back that block punt shout out to josh Pryor though blocking that kick he was clearly not down for the tank but shout out to my Bowie state brother back down hey hey, hey boo Bowie. Hey. shout out bsu shout out bsu uh but like i said guys We ultimately capped off a dud season today. But it's not all bad in the land of Washington, man. The number two pick, near $90 million in cap space. Jay Glazer said we're not only getting rid of Ron Rivera, but we're cleaning out the entire front office. So that means we got a new GM coming aboard. Hopefully we get a new executive vice president coming aboard. I've heard that Josh Harris likes the model um, of cross sports where, you know, there's a lot of figureheads at the helm especially in the NBA, Uh, and to give you a sneak peek. I'm not going to tell you who, because that's going to be an episode later this week on the channel, but if you go ahead and follow us on X, I gave you guys my ideal dream list of our off-season moves, our our off-season conglomerate that I would like to assemble, our off-season Avengers list that I would like to assemble, from the executive vice president to the GM to the head coach all the way down to the quarterback. So if you at, if you're not following us on X, go ahead and follow us on X at Bleeding BNG. Um, go ahead and check out that tweet. Not going to drop, not going to bury the lead here um, because like I said, there's going to be a video on the channel later this week. But as far as tonight, man, that'll do it for this episode of the and BNG podcast. As always, if you're checking us out on audio-only platforms like Google, um, excuse me, yes, like Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Please leave a rating. Please leave a review. That's how we finesse these algorithms. To make sure that the uh, Bleeding B and G is the number one content hub for anything Washington Commanders when you're searching. Uh, like I said at the beginning of this episode, if you're checking this out on YouTube, be sure to comment. Be sure to like. Be sure to subscribe. If you're not following us, following us on social media. Be sure to tap into those social media pages as well. Our Instagram is at bleedingbng, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, B-N-G. So there's two Gs in our Instagram handle. Our X handle, our Twitter handle, we're going to call it Twitter because that's what his biological father named him. Our Twitter handle is at bleeding, Bng. that's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. That's a little more ratchet, you know, had to tap into our inner inner ratchetness side on that, on that one. Uh, but other than that, yeah, like I said, please tap into the channel. You know, the off season is where the Washington Commanders shine. That's where we're going to shine as well as Bleeding b and on the road to 2,000 followers. Uh, please sign up for our memberships to sign up to be a part of our Bleeding b and conglomerate. I got a lot of gifts that they've been giving away that I want to give away to some lucky subscribers. So go ahead, sign up to be a part of that Bleeding b and mafia, that Burgundy and Gold mafia um and yeah thank you guys for tuning into this episode I'll check in you guys on the flip side peace